Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. John chapter 8. Today we're beginning a, a brand new series. I'm excited about this series. After talking about our vision last week, uh, today we're going, to start a, uh, we're going to start a brand new series about our values. We're going to talk about values over the next five weeks. And I suggest that you, you be here every week. It's going to be important. Every value is of extreme importance. Uh, but today, I'm excited about this one. It, today is what we're going to start with our first value as a church. You know, every, everybody has values in their life. And as much as you have personal values, we also have corporate values as a church. And so if you, if you maybe you're new here, it's your first time here. Maybe you've been coming for a little bit and you're like, ah, okay, I heard about the vision, but what what do, what do you guys value as a church? You can't miss the next five weeks as we're going to talk about our next uh, core values over the next five weeks. And today, I want to talk about our first core value, which is Jesus. Come on. Anybody love Jesus? Oh, come on. Now I know this is the 11 a.m. Anybody love Jesus? Our first core value as a church is that Jesus is the center of our lives. Come on. Look at your neighbor and tell him, Jesus is the center of my life. This is what we hold to as a church. This is what we believe and want to talk about that over the next 20, 25 minutes. I believe today we're going to do something a little bit different at the end. And I hope that you get a picture and you understand what we're talking about as a community, as a church. We're not just going out to this city to lift up the name of Calvary. That's not what we're about. We're not lifting up the name of a man. Come on, how many know we're lifting up the name of Jesus Christ alone? John chapter 8. I want you to read this beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read 11 verses really quick. It says, And they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people were gathered around him as he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group. And they said to Jesus, listen to what they say. They say, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, it commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Here they're trying to put Jesus in the spot. They say, Jesus, hey, teacher. This lady, she just got caught in adultery. The law says she should, she should be stoned. What, what do you say? And then look at what the Bible says there. It says they did this because they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis to accuse him. But Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. How, how many of you love Jesus? Come on. Be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard, they began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until the only one, Jesus, was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened back up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Come on, anybody love Jesus today? want to talk to you about our first core value as a church. I want you to write this down. Jesus is the center of our lives. Jesus is the center of our lives. I pray that today we get a better understanding of who Jesus is. Amen. Come on, let's close our eyes, bow our head. Ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you. We love you for everything that you've done, everything that you're doing. Thank you for this past week. God has been incredible. Vision Sunday was amazing. Thank you for heart and soul. Thank you for all the connect group uh, leaders who are standing up to go out into this city. People that we commissioned yesterday, prayed over that they're going to begin in homes and cafes and restaurants just to meet with three, four, five, ten people, God, and talk about you and, and be a light wherever we go in this city. God, thank you for 
what you've done, but also thank you for what you're doing currently, God. I believe that you're working right here, right now. Thank you for every person here this morning, whether it's here in the auditorium, in the overflow, listening on the radio, or watching online. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you're going to do as well, God. We thank you that you're God that is always at work. You love us, God. We always believe that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' mighty name, God, we thank you for this community, for this church. I pray that you would bless everybody right now, God. God, heal those that are sick. Open up the eyes. God, lift up the heads of the discouraged. Thank you that there's always grace and hope in the house of God. Thank you that you give strength also to the Miami Heat as we beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, God, last night. In Jesus' name, all God's people say. Come on, 11 a.m., can you give God a big, big shout of praise? Come on. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Can you give God a big shout of praise? Come on. You know, church, one of the things that I love about technology is that it's made life a little bit easier, correct? Anybody, anybody, anybody agree? It makes life a little bit easier. For example, a couple of years ago, if you wanted to uh, take a picture with you, you had to carry around with you a, a camera. Uh, I remember one of those cameras that we used to take everywhere, a disposable camera. Anybody remember the disposable cameras? And you had to, like, turn the little thing around, and then you used to take it to an Eckerd's. Anybody remember Eckerd's? <laughs> Take it, and they tell you, okay, come back in 24 hours, and your pictures will be ready. I know the young people are like, what's Eckers? Don't worry about it. It's like a CVS, but come back in 24 hours, and your pictures will be ready. And uh, so it was always, what, one of the things I love about technology, it made things easier. So now uh, our cameras are on our phone. Our cameras are on our phone, and you can take some amazing pictures right on your phone. And I love this because if you're living in the moment and something's happening right there in the moment where you want to take a picture of something right on the spot, you don't have to go looking for a camera. You can take it right there on your phone. Anybody love that? A couple years ago, I, I grew up in church. Anybody grew up in church like me? I know I've said that a lot, but, but anybody? Okay, so if you grew up in church, you probably heard this name before, Nicky Cruz. Anybody remember Nicky Cruz? Nicky Cruz is a legend. He, he used to be a gang leader, gang member in the streets of New York in the 50s and 60s. He was ruthless, crazy. God saved them, rescued them in the streets, became a worldwide a preacher, evangelist. I love him, been following him my whole life. Just love to see how God has used him. I remember years ago, he came to preach in a Bayfront Park. I don't know if anybody was there, but we went to go see Anybody was there? One, oh, my parents, obviously. Yeah, they took me. <laughs> you were there, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I couldn't drive at eight, but uh, we were there. And uh, I just love Nikki Cruz. And so a couple years ago, actually, he came back down and he was preaching at a local church. I went to go see him. And uh, after he preached, I actually got to meet him. And I got to talk to him for a little bit. You have to understand, this is a hero of mine. I mean, just I mean, he's a general in the kingdom of God. I love him, love his testimony. And so I got to meet him, talk to him. At the end, he really had to go after our conversation. They came and they're like, hey, Nikki, you got to catch your flight. You got to go. He's like, hey, Alex, I got to go. I said, I love you, uh, whatever. So, and, and then I told my brother, hey, before he goes, my brother was with me. And I asked him to take a picture. It was in the moment. I got my phone. Why not take a picture? There's a once. I don't know if I'll ever see Nikki again. I love him. Love what he's doing for Jesus. So let me take a picture. And he took a picture of me and my hero, Nikki Cruz. Now, I got the picture. and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I love it. Once in a lifetime type of thing. And when I looked at the picture, I was a little discouraged. I, not discouraged, beyond discouraged, disappointed, sad, depressed, bitter. Um, I need prayer because the picture came out like this. Oh, my brother's here. <laughs> Has that ever happened to anybody where you want to take one picture and it just comes out out of focus, off-centered? I mean, it's the worst. I mean, I looked at this thing and I'm like, oh, if the picture was just focused and centered, what a memory it would have been. That's the memory I have. You don't know if that's Nikki Cruz or, or that's Chewbacca. I mean, you have no idea who, who's there. <laughs> but you know what I started to think about, church? 
how often we can lose focus and center of Jesus in our lives. Quickly, we can lose who Jesus is and our lives can be out of focus who Jesus is in our lives and that he is the center of our lives. He is the center who our life is built upon, who we believe, who we call, who we know is the savior and the hope of humanity. It is Jesus. We got to keep a clear focus picture of who Jesus is. So easy to lose focus of who Jesus is. Now I pray we always, uh, that we are always a church that has a clear, focused, central picture of Jesus. Because how we view Jesus is how we're going to be Jesus. I, I, want you, I want you to write this down. This is completely important that as clearly as we see Jesus is as properly as we're going to be Jesus. As clearly as we see Jesus is as properly as we're going to be Jesus. If you have distorted picture, an out-of-focus picture of Jesus, then this is how we're going to carry our lives. For example, personally, if you think Jesus, uh, he's this character that I really don't know who he is. I don't know if he loves me. He must be mad at me. Then some morning he's going to wake up and say, uh, I don't even know if I should go to church this Sunday morning because I don't know Jesus. Uh, he, I think he's mad at me because I messed up this week. I did something. If your picture is distorted, not centralized, not focused, you're going to approach Jesus that way. But if you say, wait a minute, he is the hope of humanity. His grace abounds evermore. He loves me. He's for me. He's with me. Yes, he's grace, but he's also truth, and he wants to help me on the journey. Then I'm going to approach him with boldness. Come on, does anybody love Jesus today at 11 a.m.? As a church, as a church, the way we view Jesus is the way we're going to be Jesus in our city. So if as a church we see Jesus as an angry Jesus, as a shutdown Jesus, then our doors are always going to be closed and it's going to be us four and no more. But if we see that Jesus loves humanity, that he gave his life for humanity, we're going to have a welcome home, open door policy. Anybody can come in. Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the city. Jesus loves our neighbor. Oh, come on. I wish there was somebody that really understood how much Jesus loves us. Come on. He's the center of our lives. When we have a clear picture of who Jesus is, he's not just a part of our lives. He's the center of our lives. Come on. We get a, a clear, central, focused picture of Jesus. He won't just be a part. He just won't be an addition to our lives. He'll be the center of our lives. Jesus will be the center. How, how do we view Jesus? I want you to know that as a church, I want you to know that the first thing we value, the top thing we value here is Jesus. Uh, we don't, okay, I, I'm glad for our team leaders, I'm glad for pastors, I'm glad for everything that God is doing, but the main thing that we value is Jesus. The church is not built on people, the ch church is not built on personality, the church is not built on gifts, the church is built on Jesus, the cornerstone of this church. It is Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Only his name is the one that saves. Come on. Only his name is the one that delivers. Only his name is the one that frees. Only his name is the one that restores. Come on. Does anybody believe there's power in the name of Jesus? I think, come on. Come on. You don't want me to preach this morning. I'm ready to preach. I love Jesus. Does anybody love Jesus? I love Jesus. Come on. He saved some of us from the worst situations we can remember. The church is built on Jesus because we value Jesus. Church values are important. Because what you value will shape and determine your life. We, we all have values. We all have values. We value something in our life. Values are extremely important. What are the things that you value in your life? You're going to see that what you value is going to shape your life. And we all value something. You value something. You want to find out what you value? Look at our bank account. It'll tell you what you value. Whatever you spend the most money on. If you value new clothes, you're going to see in your bank account, I've been at the mall too much. <laughs> 
if you value certain things, you're going to see that what you spend the most time in, what you spend the most money in, that's what you value. What, what are you valuing? I mean, if you value purity, for example, let's say purity is a value in your life. Then no matter what happens, what comes around, no matter what, guy or girl starts flirting with you and gives you opportunities. You say, wait a minute, I value purity. I'm going to stay and remain until the day I get married. I'm going to be pure. I don't care how fine he is. I don't care how good she looks. I value purity. If you value, for example, if you value financial responsibility, then it doesn't matter how many sales are at the mall. You're going to say, wait a minute, I don't want to spend all my money. I want to be financially stable and have responsibility. I value this in my life. I want my family to be financially stable for the long run. I want to go on vacations, all that. So these sales won't attract me. I value financial responsibility. What do you value in your life? What you value will make up your core. And no matter what happens around you, you will remain the same. I mean, you could be in Miami, you could be in New York, you could be in L.A., you could be in Canada, you could be in Europe. It don't matter. Your values will determine who you are at your core. Yeah. Nothing will, will shape you. Nothing will, will determine where you go in life as to what you value. And in this church, we value Jesus. We value that he is not just a part of the church. We value that he's not just something we mention in church. We value that he's not just a person that we just look up to. No, we value that he's the son of God, that he saves. He's the cornerstone, that Jesus is the center of all of our lives. I want you to know that if you come to this church and you call this church home, what we value the most is that Jesus is the center of it all. In John chapter 8, I love the book of John. John chapter 8. Uh, he, he gives a picture of what happened with Jesus and these Pharisees and these teachers who came to question who Jesus was. Here Jesus comes into the temple and he's about to start teaching. And it says that all of a sudden they came in with this woman and they, they put her in the middle of the group. I mean, talk about embarrassing her. Talk about shaming her. Here they throw her in the middle of the group. And they say, teacher, hey, she was just caught in adultery. First of all, how do you know that means some of you were peeking? Exactly. What are you doing with your time? Some of you were peeking and looking into bedroom windows, and they were trying to set her up, in other words. And they throw her in the middle of the group, and they say, hey, she committed adultery. Jesus, the law says that she should be stoned. What do you say? They were trying to trap Jesus. Because if he says, well, they should stone her, then he's not as merciful and as good as he says he is. But if he says, don't stone her, then he's not being unfaithful to the law. And Jesus is just so wise. And Jesus says, okay, bends down, he starts writing. So any of you without sin cast the first stone, and they all started to walk away. Right, look, 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 look what I love about this picture, that we can see how Jesus is central in everything. Because as they approach Jesus, notice how they talk to Jesus. They don't call him God. They don't call him Savior. You know what they say? They say, teacher, what should we do here? First of all, they had an off-centered picture because they didn't view him as God. If Jesus is going to be the center of our lives, number one, write this down, we have to realize Jesus is God. You want a clear picture of Jesus? You want a clear picture of who God is? You want a clear, centralized, focused picture? Then we have to understand that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. This is John, actually, in the book of John, what we just read, John's main focus throughout the entire gospel of John is to get us to understand that Jesus is God. This is one of his main purposes in the book of John. This is one of his main central themes. In fact, he begins the Bible, I mean, the, the book of John this way, his letter. Look what he says in John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was? He's trying to get us to understand Jesus is God from verse 1, chapter 1. He begins to write this letter. He said, I just want you to know, in the beginning was God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want you to know one thing. Jesus, 
He's not just anybody. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a moral guy. He's God. I don't know how you came into church today. I don't know what you think about Jesus, but I want you to know we believe that Jesus, he is God. God came down to earth to save humanity. John keeps going in John chapter 1, verse 14. Look at what he says here. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory. I love that, the one-of-a-kind glory. Like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. He says, when we saw Jesus, it was seeing the father. Because Jesus is God. If you want to find out who Jesus is, you have to understand Jesus is God. Why is he center of our lives? Because he's God. We don't see him as just a teacher. We don't see him as just being a good guy. We see him as being God in the flesh, like father, like son. We know who Jesus is. He is God. For example, if you see Jesus as a good teacher, then you're going to approach him that way. If your picture, your focus of Jesus is as a good teacher, you're going to say, oh, well, he, he has good teachings, and he had cool stories, and, and he was actually kind of funny the way he answered people. He's a great guy. I love that Jesus. He was awesome. Love him. He's cute. Love Jesus. <laughs> if we view Jesus that way, then he's only going to affect certain parts of our life. Only going to affect certain parts. If we see Jesus as just another prophet, I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. You look down history, there was a bunch of them that came and spoke good things. He was just another prophet. He's great. He's only going to affect a part of our lives. But when we say, wait a minute, there was something different about Jesus. He wasn't just a man. He was, let me tell you this, church. Jesus wasn't just a good man. He was the God man. He wasn't just a good man. He was the God man. When we look to Jesus, we say, wait a minute. He was God in the flesh who got up out of his throne, came down to earth, and he died for humanity. Jesus, he is the son of God. He is God. He is the glory and the radiance of God. We approach him not as teacher, not as a good moral God. Jesus is the savior of humanity. Come on, 11 a.m. If you believe that he's God, we realize he's the center of the universe. And he's the center of our life. We love Jesus because he's the center of our... The Pharisees had no idea who they were. They start questioning Jesus. And look what it says in John chapter 14. This is how they question God. They said, if you really knew me, Jesus says, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him because you've even seen him. Wait, what, what are you talking about? Philip said, Master, well, show us the father then. I mean, we've seen you, we've seen the father. Show us the father then, and then we'll be content. Jesus says, you've been with me all this time, Philip. And you still don't understand, not this Philip, another Philip, you still don't understand. <laughs> to see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? He says, if you see me, you've seen God. Everything about God was in Jesus. Who God is was in Jesus. How do we view God? The Pharisees approached him and said, teacher. He's just a teacher. He's just another teacher. He's not the son of God. I know he's been claiming to be the Messiah. I know he's been claiming to be the, the Savior, but he's just a teacher. Teacher, what, what do you do with this woman? What are you going to do with her? She's a sinner. She was caught in adultery. In other words, what they were saying is, ha, we're better than her. She's been caught in sin. What what are you going to do about that, Jesus? You know, we have to be very careful because we have to understand we are not the standard. Jesus is center of our lives because Jesus is the standard. Point number two, write that down. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is center of our lives because we realize this, church, that apart from him, We're all sinners in need of a Savior. How many times it's so easy to walk around and say, I've been doing pretty good in my walk. I've been doing pretty good on my journey with Jesus. I'm I'm feeling okay. And all of a sudden, we'll start looking down on people. I mean, we'll be here on a Sunday. We we have our hands raised, and we're worshiping God. And we'll look across the auditorium and be like, can't believe she's here. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) 
If people only knew what she was doing last night, how do you know in the first place? And we can start judging people and think that we're above people. Understand, who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were actually well-respected and people thought of them highly because they followed the law really good. Pharisees were keepers of the law and they, they talked and teached about the law and, and they kept all of the laws. I mean, in, in human eyes, they were, they were basically almost perfect. They kept everything in the law and they went to church every day. They went to the temple courts every day. And here they, they began to get actually a little bit prideful because huh, we're not sinners and we're above people. We have to be careful that we don't start viewing people based to our standard. We are not the standard. Jesus is the standard. We are not who's to say that who's better and who's not and who's good and who's not and who deserves to be here. Who no, because next to Jesus, none of us deserve salvation. Amen. The Bible says that no, none of us are good enough. Oh, but Alex, but I'm a good guy. Alex, I, I haven't done a lot of things in my life, and I, I'm a great girl. I mean, if you only knew me, I, I, I help a lot of people. I help my community. I do a lot of things. That's great, but our salvation is not based on good efforts. It's actually based on grace, that all of us are sinners apart from Jesus, and we're in need of his grace for salvation. Come on, is there anybody grateful today that no matter how bad or good we were, here comes Jesus with his grace who saved us, who rescued us. That's why he's the center of our lives. We're all dead in our sins, no matter how good we think we are. I don't care if we grew up in church. I don't care how good we think we are. Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. Jesus came to make dead men alive. Come on. Is anybody grateful for Jesus? We were all dead in our sins, no matter how good we think we are. And if we're not careful, church, why Jesus is the center of our lives is because sometimes on our good days, we can start acting like Pharisees. We look at this story and we say, man, these Pharisees, they, they were cruel. How, how do they grab this girl and throw her in the middle of this group and start accusing her as if they're the standard? Well, it happens to all of us. But why we say Jesus is the center of our lives? Because if we start thinking that we're the standard, then we're going to start seeing who comes in through every door. Well, well wait, 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 wait. If we're the standard, uh, that person doesn't look like me. That person doesn't behave like me. Who said Jesus came to make our behavior better. He came to make our spirits alive. The gospel is not behavioral transformation. The gospel is a spiritual transformation. It doesn't come to fix our morals or our behaviors and I got to do better. No, it came to make us alive. We were all dead. We can start acting like Pharisees and we can start saying, well, well, I'm the standard. And why do people? That's not who we are. Who we are is people who believe that Jesus is the center of our lives. And apart from him, we're all dead in our sins. They come and they throw this lady in the middle of the group. And they say, teacher, what, what are you going to do about this lady that was caught in adultery? I love Jesus. Jesus was so wise. Jesus just looks at them. And he bends down to the floor and he, he touches the dirt. And he begins to draw with his fingers on the dirt. See, drawing on the finger, he gets back up and he says, Whoever's without sin, go ahead and throw the first rock. And he goes back down and he continues to write with his finger. It says then all of them began to leave one by one. And it says from the oldest to the youngest. Nobody knows what he's writing and scholars all debate what he wrote on the dirt. But to me, I love to think about this. He probably started writing all of their sins. He said, I know what you did. Mm-hmm, you too. And probably from the oldest to the youngest, because the oldest had a lot more sins. He's lived a lot longer. He's like, 
Come on, apart from Jesus, we all fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Jesus, what he was trying to show here is that apart from him, we all fall short and we're all in need of him. He is the center because it is in him that we find grace. In him it is that we find forgiveness. In him is that we find salvation. In him is that we find deliverance. In him is where we are picked up out of our sin and we come with grace made righteous before the Father. It is in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus is the center of our lives. We're not a church that has this vision about going everywhere and waving Calvary flags. We're not a church that wants to make our name famous, make the name of a man famous or a woman famous. There's only one name that saves, one name that delivers. We're not blinded. Nobody's fooled here. There's only one name that has power, one name that has authority, that every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess. Jesus Christ, he's the Lord of all. Jesus, he's the one that has power. Come on, Jesus, he's the Savior. Jesus, he's the deliverer. Jesus, he's the hope of all humanity. We're not going around. Nobody's fooled here. Come on. Come on. We're not, we're not saying we want a thousand connect groups because we're the answer. We're not saying we want multi-campuses because we got the solution in our systems. We don't. Apart from him, we're all sinners. Apart from him, we're all messed up. We're going forward, lifting up one banner only. That's the banner of Jesus. You shouldn't say Jesus too much. People don't like Jesus nowadays. He's a controversial figure because he's the hope of all humanity. Amen. I don't care how many times they try to quiet us down or they say, hey, just, just be more of a corporate thing and don't say Jesus. I mean, that won't, won't get you a lot of open doors. We don't care. Jesus is the answer. He's a solution. He rescued us. He saved us. He delivered us. He opened up our eyes. He picked up our hand. I'm going to continue to say Jesus because if there's an addict, Jesus is the deliverer. If there's a sinner, Jesus is the forgiver. If there's somebody that's lost, Jesus is the one that gives direction. We're not ashamed. Come on. Is there anybody at the house today that says, Jesus, you are the answer. Jesus, you are the solution. Somebody give Jesus some praise. Come on. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? Why is he the center of our lives? Last but not least, because he's the Savior. He's the only one, church. I don't know how you came in here today. Maybe your life is messed up. Maybe you, you got some issues in your life. Can I tell you, we, we can't do anything for you. All we can tell you is Jesus. We're just going to keep pointing about Jesus. You know, what, you know what I love about this story? Here she was, guilty as charged. Everybody embarrassed her. I love the way I read one scholar that he described the story this way. He says what Jesus does is that he demonstrated right there in that story, he demonstrated what he did in eternity and time. For example, they come up to her and they say, Jesus, she's found guilty. What does Jesus do? He kneels down and he touches the dirt. In other words, when Jesus looked down at humanity and he saw that we were all far from him, what did he do? He left heaven and he came down and he touched earth. For you and for me. All of a sudden, when he was down in the dirt, the Bible says he's writing. Then he stands up and he says, any of you, without sin, start throwing stones at her. He was raised up the same way he was thrown on the cross and raised up to life. He says, anybody who looks at the sun will be saved. And he was laid back down into a grave. He goes back down. He touches the dirt one more time. He keeps on writing. After going back down to the dirt, he stands up and he says, where are your accusers? 
In other words, he didn't stay in the dirt. He came up out of the grave. Jesus is alive today. He's the center of our lives. He's the answer. He's the hope. As a church, we're going to lift up one name only all over the city. It's Jesus. Jesus, he's the center of our life. He's not a part of it. He doesn't play a little role in this church. No, he's everything in this church. First, foremost, preeminent, the center of this church. The day we stop talking about Jesus is the day we all leave this church. The day we stop pointing fingers at Jesus and saying, hey, follow him. And the day we start pointing fingers to ourselves is the day we got the gospel confused. It's not good morals that save. It's not motivation. It's not inspiration that saves. It's Jesus Christ that saves. Jesus is the center of our lives. Let's always live with a brave soul. Wherever we go, is it a workplace? Is it school? Is it with our family, with our friends? We're always, we're never going to be ashamed to say Jesus. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. He said, it's the power of salvation. Wherever we go, Jesus says. With eyes closed, head bowed. All across this auditorium. There's people here in the auditorium, in the overflow, people watching online, people listening on the radio. If you walked in today and you feel like, Alex, I'm far from God. I don't know God. Somebody invited me for the first, second time. Or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you don't have a relationship with God. Can I tell you, it's not a relationship with a church. It's not a relationship with a pastor. It's not a relationship with a leader that's going to help you. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're all sinners. Sin separates us from God. And every single person in this place, we are sinners. We failed We've done wrong. We've thought wrong. There's no perfect people in here. Sin separates us from God. God can't be with sin, but he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus. And Jesus, here he comes in the glory of God. He is the glory. He is the full representation of God. He comes down to earth and he grabbed all of your sin, my sin, all of our flaws, all of our mess-ups, all of our guilt, all of our shame. The Bible says he carried the sins of the world on his shoulders up to this cross. And there he willingly laid down his life for you and for me. If you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm far from God. I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I did some things that people in here have no idea about. You're listening online or listening on the radio or in the overflow. And you're saying, Alex, I, I've done something. Listen, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. This is why Jesus is the sinner. Because he loved us so much that he gave his life for us. With every eye closed, every head bowed for a moment of privacy and concentration. I'm going to count to three in a moment. And if you're in here and you say, Alex, I need Jesus in my life. I want to start a relationship with God. I need forgiveness of sins. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. Come on, leaders, church, praying. This is a holy moment. I believe people right now are going to go from darkness to light, from death to life. The church praying. If you're in here, eyes closed, head bowed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But I just want you to raise your hand. I'm going to acknowledge you. And then you can put it right back down. The count of three, you're saying, that's me. I'm sick and tired of living life the way I want it. I thought my bank account would be the center. I thought my relationship would be the center. I thought my house would be the center. No, Jesus is the center. And he's going to give you life and life everlasting. He doesn't want to rent you. He wants to own you. He's the center of it all. And today you can start brand new. Alex, but I'm not ready. I'm, I'm going to go this week. I'm going I'm to have a good week. I'm going to let go of some things. And then I'll come back next Sunday and start a relationship with God. No, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's promise for no man. He says, come just as you are. Just come. 
We'll never be ready. Come just as you are. Eyes closed, head bowed. Every single person praying. If that's you at the count of three, raise your hand all over this place. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. Come on, lock that elbow as high as you can. As long as I see you. I see you. God bless 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 you and you and you and you and you. God bless you. Awesome. Anybody else? Come on, in the overflow, listening online, on the radio. Come on, anybody else? You lock that elbow. Raise your hand as high as you can. You're saying, I'm in need of Jesus. Awesome. I see you here to my right. Awesome. God bless you guys. I'm going to say a simple prayer. All of you that raise your hand, just want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. All we're doing is talking to God at this time. I believe that God is here. I believe you're about to start a relationship with the God who loves you. You can talk to God any place, anywhere. I'm just going to make this first one easy for you. He's waiting to hear from you. You don't have to pray a certain way. You don't have to have any certain type of big words or language. You can talk to him just like you do. I'm going to make this first one simple. We're just declaring him as Lord and Savior of our life. I want the whole church to repeat this strong, out loud. We're going to say this together as a family. If you raise your hand, say this. Believe God is here and you're about to start brand new. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come on, I believe you're the son of God, that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am forgiven, I am saved, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give God a big, big hand? Thank you, Jesus. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.